This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Smooth Jazz Hour. That was Dave Brubeck and Take Five. Oh, oh, jeez, sorry. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. I got it wrong. I thought I was doing the jazz show for a minute there. Laney, I apologise for you. That's all right, mate. A bit confusing, but, you know, you're obviously kind of just got five, five... Crazy, mate. That's what you. That's what you've gone, isn't it? I've got five crazy indeed. But listen, I'm back on point now. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. I'm here in the virtual joint, and I'm sitting here with my man Laney after the weekend. I've still got a big smile on my face because Leeds United came down to New Griffin Park uh, a few months after they came down to New Griffin Park and went away celebrating 17th place the 17th place trophy the infamous 17th place trophy this time they came down to new griffin park and they went back with nil point nil point they went back with as brentford scored how many goals laney uh five they scored five goals oh sorry i thought it was a quiz (laughs) (laughs) it was a quiz and you got the right answer okay 100 percent points for you five two as the bees beat the mighty mighty champions of europe and uh, we were very very happy it was uh tell you something it was a good it was a good day and it was a good evening wasn't it yeah it was fantastic mate yeah it was uh it was a, a, an incredibly entertaining game if that uh, obviously we don't go there to be entertained every week we just like to win but uh you know just seeing some of the football that was played you know Leeds contributed an awful lot to that it was a real end-to-ender um I, you know I don't think we could afford to switch off uh, on the on the terraces or on the pitch for a second so they, they pushed us hard um but in the end they got battered um you know there was there's loads of talking points you know from our point of view we got a, VA, a couple of VA our decisions went our way where at Fulham they didn't um, you know, I think probably if you're going to be sticklers for detail, the right decisions were made every time. But um, you know, it's it, it was just 
you know, relief to, to not come, feel like we were um, you know, on the end of some sort of injustice because I know the Leeds fans, they do. So we, we'll talk about this during the game. But yeah, you know, it was, it was a, a day and an evening to celebrate once again. It's been a cracking start to the season, Bill. It's been a brilliant start to the season and uh, like I said to you, it's a bit of a whirlwind for the Bees as well. Like I said to you, we've racked up quite a few points, which has got me kind of looking at the league table and thinking, hmm, actually, if we can get a few more wins, actually, we, we might be safe in, a, in about a month's time, which means that we can probably relax a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know, us being safe is reliant on all our players remaining uh, injury free. You know, all our players continuing to play great football that they're playing and also for our manager to be in place. Now, interestingly, there's been a a few sniffs around Thomas Frank, which is uh, which is an interesting turn because, uh, you know, probably about two years ago, I remember, like I said to you, sitting down and chatting to people on the radio who were saying that we should be sacking Thomas Frank because, you know, he hasn't done what he should be doing. Like, you know, so it's amazing how, you know, how things turn around in a couple of years, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, his, his star's certainly on the rise, isn't it? And, uh, you know, for him being not ridiculed probably the wrong word, but he, he, he was he was kind of considered a bit of a, an imposter um, at times in his first season in the Premier League. There was a couple of times where, you know, I think he was asked questions by the press and he gave an honest answer and then the pundits kind of flipped it and they're almost like laughing. Who, who are you to have an opinion on this? You're, you've just, just arrived in this division. Who are you to kind of uh, not accept the status quo and, and churn out just uh, the, the usual kind of sound bites as answers? Um, who are you to kind of actually use your imagination and, and think and give an answer? So, you know, I think Thomas Frank, um, impressed everyone um, in, in you know well in his time at Brentford um, but certainly in his time in the top flight you know he doesn't have to convince us anymore he didn't have to conv- convince the championship I don't think you know he's, he's proved um, and he's delivered and he's and he's kind of uh, you know he's, he's brought success so uh, yeah it's it's it's, it's going to be galling I think to hear his name linked whether it's a serious link whether it's uh just just paper talk or just you know just twitter talk um whether he's actually going to be approached to to take over at any of the clubs in this managerial merry-go-round that we're gonna you know we're kind of seeing the start of or we're in the middle of um only time will tell but it, it's it, it, it would, it's sod's law bill, isn't it? You know, I, I think of a, a similar time where we were sitting there kind of looking looking around us, like smiling, having just beaten Leeds. I think, say, ironically, yeah. we'd just beaten Leeds away the first away. time we'd beaten them. We were, remember that celebration on the train yeah. back from Leeds? It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was that's much, in the championship season. 100%. It was like a moment in time where we felt invincible and, you know, just everything was going our way and all of a sudden someone had, pulled the rug under our um, under our feet and you know what happened Warwell Warbsgate happened you know it was a few days after that there was a press story saying that you know uh, Mark Warburton was going to be sacked at the end of that that first season in the championship no matter what had happened and, and Matthew Benham wanted to start changing the way he ran the football club he wanted a change having a manager and having a you know it would it would be now um director of football and then the recruitment policy was going to change um so you know it, it was it was just kind of carnage at the time just just when you thought 
everything was hunky dory in the, in the Brentford Garden. Um, we had this insecurity. I mean, in the end, you know, it was it was it was the right thing to do, and it's the best thing. To, you know, all the success we're having now, it, it wouldn't. I don't think have been as, as you know wouldn't have been possible. I don't think, or not as possible as quickly, if uh, if, if Benham hadn't made that decision. But you know, that's that's, that's for another day. But uh, you know, so I'm not. We're kind of braced for. You know, not a shitstorm to happen, but you know, it's just we're sitting here thinking, right? Isn't it great to be a Brentford fan? Uh, everything's stable, everything's great. Um, and then, you know, if someone comes in and a friend, um, approaches Thomas Frank, then you've got that kind of like potential for things to change. You know, Thomas Frank has said in the last month that he's happy to he's considering staying at Brentford for the next 10 years and he's already gone on record as saying why would he want to go somewhere else where the best job in football he's already got so you know I, he, he said the right things already and you know but we we kind of convinced ourselves that Christian Eriksen was staying as well didn't we <laughs> yeah I think that was a different scenario because we knew that Christian Eriksen you know he he never made any indication when he joined us that he was going to stay he always went six months and then I'll see how it goes and there was no and there was there's even talk between us that there's there was no feel of love for him. he sort of you know you know a few games he smiled when he scored but there wasn't that feel of passion there wasn't that kind of like let's go around the, the edge of the pitch before the match and start whipping the crowd into a rabid frenzy like you know what I'm saying and I think there's a big difference I mean the reason why we're talking about this obviously because Thomas Tuchel obviously shook too many hands right one too many hands I think he shook like you know what I'm saying and then and it was all over for him at Chelsea I mean there was rumours to say that you know basically that his downfall was when Brentford spanked them 4-1 last season and uh, the writing was on the cards from those days you know what I'm saying so uh, Thomas Tuchel but obviously Thomas Tuchel being out of Chelsea has brought in the Potter from Brighton who probably the most annoying thing about that transfer is the fact that Potter is I believe is actually a very Brentford manager he's the type of manager that we would sign immediately you know he came from Ostersons which no one's ever heard of you know the way that he kind of um, th- he works with a club Brighton who who buys players in exactly the same way that we do it and they use the statistics in exactly the same way that do it so he's very much a Brentford type manager the type of football that he plays creates lots of opportunities with players that can't put it in the back of the net you know what I'm saying he's just perfectly like us so it's kind of a case where when you actually get the right players in your club who can actually put the ball in the back of the net will you be able to take him to the next level so I'm almost like a little bit gutted that he's going to Chelsea because he's the type of manager that like I said who would fit in with us and it's like are Chelsea doing the right things if you listen to the Chelsea owner which a lot of Brentford fans are already saying we want him out let's get him out but he's talking about statistics so they've obviously talking about how things run in America and it's almost like sounds like they're trying to get a system into Chelsea like what they do at Liverpool like what they do at Brighton what they do at the sort of kind of like what they do at Brentford into their place so Graham Potter was a, was, was a no-brainer for them as well whether or not they've got all the infrastructure in the back to actually make it work is going to be a very interesting um, scenario um, you know whether or not that's the case I mean they've, they've obviously got you know players as Aubameyang that they've just signed as well that they've just kind of like they've drafted in um, for very big money <clears throat> okay in this window so is he a player that you know the the owner just thought I just really like him or is he a, is he a player that pinged off from all the statistics and, and, and they're doing the right things I can't answer that question I probably can answer the question if we spoke to the Brentford stats department which will you know they might turn around and say mm, I'm not sure why they paid what, 80 million for that player they're just shooting in the air so I think what I'm trying to say to you is that I don't know whether or not the Potter is 
we've brought him in because he's done really great at Brighton or we're trying to build something at Chelsea which is quite similar to the progressive clubs that are doing very well at the moment now and uh, I mean I had a, uh, a chat with somebody who was on the post-match podcast I won't make his name who uh, who lives up north and lives in Leicester and he, uh, he, he claimed he said oh Bill you know I've heard that Thomas Frank is actually at Leicester at the moment now and the deal's done and it's going to be signed on Thursday. Now, I don't want to embarrass myself because if this comes out on Friday and uh, I've poo-pooed that and then he's actually in Leicester, then I will have embarrassed myself. But I did my due diligence and all I can say is that apparently the, the deal will be done. The talks had been made between Brentford and Leicester and uh, the compensation had been settled and everything like that and it was meant to be announced on Thursday and Thomas Frank will be uh, gone by the weekend. Now, all I can say to you is that, obviously, for that to have happened, certain parties would have had to have been uh, spoken to. And I think certain parties had no idea that this had taken place. And all I can say is that, in my book, this sounds like this was a load of absolute nonsense, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, so the Leicester situation, which a lot of people were worried about, um, doesn't seem like it's a go at the moment now. And then the other one is obviously the Brighton. So recently, the Brighton fans, and they're all saying that, you know, Thomas Frank, you know, I don't know if they're saying he's down at the Brighton training ground or what. what's going on there. But there's a belief also that Thomas Frank is making his way to Brighton because I've got a, a message from one of my South Coast B characters uh, only a couple of hours ago saying, Bill, you know, put my mind to rest. So again, due diligence is done. And, you know, the history between Brentford and Brighton, as you probably know, um, it's, you know, from an ownership level, we're not the best of friends, as it says, but from a business level, any business can be done. But why Thomas Frank would go to Brighton, knowing what has gone between ourselves, um, I can't even answer that question. I, I don't know if you you can either, Laney, but I think you summed it up very well beforehand. I think this is a moment where, like I said to you beforehand, where I think we now realise and people in the world realise actually We've got a good manager, whereas two years ago, a year ago, even six months ago, we were being ridiculed by having Thomas Frank, by having strange hair and chews gum funnily and has got no idea what he's doing. All of a sudden, we're geniuses and he's a genius and Brentford are geniuses. And they're not only trying to pluck our players from us, they're trying to pluck our manager from us. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to lose sleep over it if I'm honest with you. I just can't see it happening to many Premiership football clubs that could tempt him away. You know, it's, there are probably clubs, big big club uh, opportunities in Europe at some stage. I do believe he'll go and manage the Danish national team at some stage. You know, whether that's two years, three years, five years down the line. Five years? Is it, did you say five years? Five Maybe. years. Yes, okay. five. That's a good number, isn't it? I like that number. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's not he's not going to be here forever. None of us none of us are here forever. But it, it's I, I just think it's unlikely. Um, I think he's I think he's a very intelligent man who really does know which side his bread's buttered. And it's not necessarily like it, it's a two way street. You know, Brentford is great for him, and he's great for Brentford. And I I, I just don't think he's up for severing that umbilical cord quite yet. If if not ever, absolutely not, Lenny. Listen, we're going to go away. You're going to have a little sip of tea. I might go and see what I've got in the cupboard as well and have a little sip of whatever it may be. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Leeds game. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. Everybody in the car, so come on, let's ride to the lick 
liquor store around the corner. The boys say they want some gin and juice, but I really don't wanna. Beer buzz like I had last week. I must stay because talk is cheap. I like so that was uh, Membo number five by Lou Baker. I haven't heard that tune for a quite. Actually, sorry, I'm on the wrong show again. Sorry, this is the Besotted Podcast. Um, Leeds. Laney. Leeds game on f- Saturday. My word, what a day out that was, eh? Brilliant. Yeah, uh, I said on the intro, it was just a, a, a great day to be a Brentford fan again. And you know, not just because it was Leeds, you know, I'm not going to give them that much credit, but it's just like another really encouraging performance, another win. You know, We know that these wins in the top flight, um, they, they don't always come uh, every week. Sometimes you've got to wait a couple of months for one um, but the second the famous second season syndrome uh, doesn't seem to be striking again um, anything but we seem to be thriving um, we're not suffering and uh, we're just creating so many chances you know we, we're creating as, as many big opportunities as you know as the best teams in this division um, we we give the ball away a lot. We're we're a, we're a, an imperfect diamond, but I, I don't necessarily. I wouldn't. I still really wouldn't change a thing. I just you know it, the, the 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 nervousness and the kind of. Um, I still I still felt that we were going to carry on creating chances, but we were just sort of you know giving away big opportunities at the back. And you know there's this as a, you know as we keep as we know there's quality in every team we come up against and Leeds played pretty well to be honest but they didn't create what we did and I think you know there was some sort of justice that was meted out on, on Saturday um, and every in every game I've seen this season we've 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 performed um, you know again we, we can knock some some of the frailties at the back but we're scoring goals in, in every game and you know that's that's going to continue I hope or down at St Mary's because we have to go there and, and do better than we did last year because that that was our lowest point, really. That was our biggest defeat, was it not? For one, um, so we need to go down there and um, you know redress that situation. We need to come away with at least a point. So, but the Leeds game, full of positives um, and just buzzing in the pub till late into the night. And that's you know, um, I can't, I can't get enough of those nights, mate. Um, and just quickly, what was your main takeaway from that game? Main takeaway was again just the just how potent we are coming forward. You know, there's 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 um, movement, there's creativity, vision, the teamwork. They they're all on the same wavelength. They know which runs to make. Uh, Ivan Tony is is moved into a different sphere. Um, well, certainly on Saturday. His, his finishing is, is clinical. You know, obviously we know what he's capable of doing from 12 yards from the penalty spot. We saw a, a slightly different, um, uh, a, diff- a slightly different side to his game. You know, he's not been a, a free kick taker uh, regularly, um, but that curling uh, right foot shot into the into the top corner was just stunning. You know, if you saw that angle that was taken low from behind curling around the last defender and just dipping in and down into the into the you know the top corner uh, was just was just perfect you know so you know, he almost repeated it again in the second half didn't they it just dipped slightly over the bar so that's he's added that you know if that's within his range then you know he wins enough free kicks in and around the area already so you know maybe he's the one to take them or you know with Norgard not being fit for the next few weeks you know, maybe he's kind of said, "Well, I, I, I'm having this." So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 really encouraging. And my, my, yeah, my main takeaway was we carried on doing 
things the Brentford way, creating big chances. And every time uh, we got a knockback, you know, we conceded, then we just carried on doing it. We carried on pushing forward. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, if we lose trying to win, um, uh, that's, that's, that's all we can hope for. Mm. I mean, and my main takeaway was um, just how actually how exciting some of these games are. Um, you know, this game, I mean, through the match, you know, okay, we went 2 0 up and then they came back. And even though you're sort of on tender hooks because you think, oh my God, this could come back to 2 all or we're at 3 2 and then it could have come back to 3 all. Uh, but I was just thinking at the time, this is brilliant because we were going <laughs> hell for leather, gung ho, is it Kevin Keegan? It was all good fun. We were having a good laugh. You're sitting there nervous and then happy, then nervous and all this kind of stuff, which is what football's really be about. And sometimes you could be going to matches and we've been to matches where to be quite you ground out a bit of a win and it's all right. And it's just a bit kind of like, it's a bit rubbish, really. The reality is a bit rubbish. Yes, you're winning, but you're not winning with fun. So you lose this, you, we won this game and it was great. To be quite honest, we lost the Fulham game and it was great. And, you know, these these are the things that you weigh up. And for me, I'm sitting thinking I'm actually quite looking forward to or I'm looking forward to going and watching these matches. Whereas like last season and you think about it also when you bring people, friends who had never been and didn't know Brentford before. You bring them to watch the bees and you play a game and you probably win. But then it wasn't really that good. You know, I'm not saying that we weren't that good last season, but in places, whereas now we're a much better team so you feel kind of prouder and uh, prouder and also just the the the, 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 the experience and um, everything you've seen is great so for me my main takeaway is how much better we are as a team and as a spectacle and you don't really know what you're going to get on the day and I suppose the following week if we lose just don't be too upset because to be honest with you as you said we've, we've, done, the, we've done the gamble and, and won you know, we talk about this in a little bit, you know, in fact, we talk about it now. I mean, if you look at the XG, you know, on this game, and I know a lot of people, and I keep, I'm not apologising for it, but this is really, I think, is really important because it just shows where we're at, is how big a quality of chances you create. And if you know it, the bigger the bubble, the bigger the opportunity. I'm not being funny. I'm looking now at these bubbles at Brentford created, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, probably eight in the area seven and one sort of small two smaller ones eight we could have technically scored eight maybe five actually we did score five actually didn't we but we could have scored eight goals right we could have scored eight goals in that match but at the same time Leeds could have scored three maybe four maybe five you know what I mean so you know we're talking about sort of kind of this isn't like you know we're not talking about Saha from 35 yards where oh that should have been a goal it's like no not really actually but he did really well so he scored a goal we're talking about this is like in an area great opportunity and should have gone in the back of the net so it could have been 8-5 now I mean 8-5 is bonkers but it's brilliant at the same time so for me like I said I love that and being involved in that and you've got you've got to look at the start of the season I mean I'm, I'm looking at the league table now could it really have gone any better I mean we're we're, we're sat here in eighth and <clears throat> looking looking from top to bottom Arsenal top 15 points Man City second 14 points Spurs third 14th points Brighton incredible start to the season they're so good they're probably going to lose their manager 13 points then Man United then Chelsea then Liverpool then Brentford I mean you know realistically in the real world you know I'm pinching myself as it is but you know for, for us to have done any better 
when you consider what's been spent above us and the quality in the teams that the teams above us already have. I mean, Brighton are probably the, the team that have done better than us at the start of the season in, in, in the real world league. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been stunning. So, you know, we've just got to, you know, carry it on on Saturday. Yeah, and, and, and again, and I'm going to throw this into the pot as well, looking at the Justice League, as they call it, you know, again, it's the chances created or big chances created league, which again, Matthew Benham and Brentford use, which helps us to, basically it's helped us to get where we are. Okay, and looking at that table, we've actually, I mean, we're in ninth position now, but we've actually underperformed um, <laughs> compared to the chances that we've actually been getting. So basically they're saying that if we had Haaland in front and, they, and you know, I mean, he gets what's it, as they're saying, he scored what, eight goals or six goals and he gets his like, three touches a game. You know what I'm saying? Well, two touches a game, but he puts them all in the back of the net. Whereas our strikers are different. We get more chances that we don't score. But you've got Man City at the top in the XG. Then you've got Arsenal. Then you've got Brighton third. And you can see why exactly. They're creating loads of big, high-quality chances. Don't necessarily put them in the back of the net, but they're still doing okay. Then it's Liverpool. Then it's Tottenham. Then it's Brentford. Interestingly, Leeds are just below us as well. So they're creating great chances. They're just, again, not putting them in the back of the net. Then you've got Wolves, Chelsea... Newcastle, Southampton, Man United are right down there. Like you know what I'm saying? Fulham are right down there. So Man United are overperforming. Fulham are overperforming. You know what I'm saying? So it's interesting <coughs> that it comes. And just looking at the forecast, and I haven't looked at the forecast, it's much, much, much too early to do that. Where they've actually forecasted, and I think about this, is quite so Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, you know, top four. Arsenal, Man United at sixth, Brighton at seventh, Crystal Palace at eighth, and Brentford at ninth is where they kind of forecasted us to be at the end of the season which is quite mad if you consider where we have come from even where we are now um, but they're just looking at the way that we're playing and what we're doing and ch- chances being correct and all that kind of stuff is absolutely bonkers whereas you know Forrest who have signed yet another player again you know and they've spent like you know they've got about 742 players now on their uh, on their squad you know what I'm saying and the, you know the, the Bournemouth are you know bottom of the Justice League Leicester a second bottom third Forest a third bottom and again the predictions and it may come wrong is Forest bottom of the league Bournemouth second bottom Leicester third bottom um, and Everton fourth bottom so whether or not this is right or wrong it doesn't really matter but it's more about what you're doing and what we're doing on the pitch is right and it's working for us and it has been going in the right direction for years and I think that whether or not you love these data or hate this data it is a real indication and it's an indication of kind of what's going on in your world as such. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I'm, much, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I would much rather be in our position, you know, right? Underperforming in sixth place and, and, and ninth place position than be in Nottingham Forest position where you sign 472 players. Actually, it's a little bit, little bit less than I said at the moment now. And everything says that you're not creating the chances that you should be. And you're going to probably end up in the bottom three. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's how you've got to look at it. Because for Forrest, they need to start creating more and need to start putting the ball in the back of the net, you know. And for all the money that they have spent, right... You know, it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a rough time for them. And then this, I know this is not the Forest show, but again, uh, this is a reflection of where we are and giving yourself a little bit of confidence as to kind of hopefully where we're going to be going in the next few months. But anyway, we've talked too much about that because we've talked about the Leeds game a little bit, but we need to go to the fans on the terraces. We had both Brentford fans and Leeds fans. Let's hear what they had to say immediately after that Leeds match on Saturday <laughs> I was really gutted we didn't send them down last year now I'm just for a day I'm quite happy <laughs> that was awesome they hate us um, 
went really good. That was a close game, wasn't it? They kept coming back into it. It was a good game of football. Um, great finishing by Tony. Unbelievable. Ben, ben me at the back. What a performance from him today. Um, God knows who they're going to drop when everyone's back and fit, but what a great problem to have. Come on, you bees. Yeah, the man of the match, of course, will go to Ivan Tony. Let us not overshadow what Ben Mee did. He had a fantastic performance. His best one so far in the Brentford shirt for us. Really was good. There were some really great performances. Really, really tough, actually. Leeds aren't that bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we destroyed him today. In a sense, I don't know how we won that. We gave the ball away so many times. But they couldn't finish, we could. That's the story. You... Tony has to be on the plane to Qatar. Leeds today, Bill, they looked particularly susceptible to the square ball, didn't they? And we smashed Leeds, and I thought, Ivan Tony was brilliant. I mean, why have we not had him on three kicks before today, you have to ask, but he was bloody brilliant. This is a tough league. Look, any win you get in this league is brilliant, you know, and every team you play have got quality players. So you've got to enjoy it. You've just got to enjoy it and... My lead mate, I won't be happy, but there we go. Ivan, Ivan Tony's second and third goals today, just, just so special. So, so special. The truth, in my view, um, penalty, don't know if it was a penalty because I can't see from where we're sitting. So it's quite hard. Yeah, VAR's giving it, so penalty. The free kick, again. Um, so, yeah, two goals from set pieces. Um, Lorente, tried to, I don't know, uh, a Johan Cruyff turn in the halfway line, lost the ball. Um, so, yeah, mistakes, but... You know, everyone makes mistakes, but we got punished. I still think we went to sleep a couple of times, which is not much. I thought we were going to be our own worst enemy for a brief period when they got their, their goal back, and it looked a bit, oh dear, what did we do there? But um, yeah, definitely, they were definitely up for it, and they definitely played like they really wanted to win it, which is, it was a great game, actually. I really enjoyed that. Massive. So you're saying the Leeds fans were racially abusing absolutely, him? Absolutely. In, what, in what way? Tell me, because obviously I'm black, so this, doesn't, course, this, yeah. is, this doesn't go down particularly yeah. well with me. It was the bee beasted if you imagine uh, filling the yes, blanks. It was okay. the bee beasted all the time as soon as the, 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 the boy put the, fo- the ball on the ground. Okay. So he was getting that abuse. But prior, even prior to kickoff, when we sat down, my, my lady was being abused as well. There was all sorts of sexual content. Oh. It was uh, whore, slag. Uh, slapper all that kind of crap it was all that stuff that was coming out but then what was really amusing they started calling me a paedophile and I kept thinking where's Jimmy Savile from and then the abuse kind of carried on but the stewards were allowing it to continue but once we, we reacted to the steward uh, to, to the Leeds fans the stewards actually came over and told us to be quiet when it becomes personal and they start targeting individuals so Paul Bryan on the pitch so he doesn't need that shit we don't need the shit in the stands. If, they, if you want to shout... Sorry, that's Brian and Boomer again. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, want, if you want to shout that we're scum and they're scum, that's fine. But when you start targeting individuals and making it a personal thing, it doesn't become banter. It becomes aggressive. Mate, I'm so buzzing at the minute. I'm basically coming back. I went Palace in a week here and I thought, I thought, oh my God, I was a bit scared. But Thomas Frank made five fucking great changes. Whistle, come on, killed it. And then today, we come on and we're so confident. I fucking knew he was going to do it. And the bees are always going to fucking do it because we're, 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 we're we are the best. We are the Brentford. We are the best. We are the Brentford. So, we'll do the rest. Oh! Uh, to a man, we was outstanding. We got Tony, got at trick. But to be fair, I don't even think he was the man of the match. I think Ben Mee me. was... Me! He was absolutely quality. The guy was winning everything in the air. Strong in the tackle. He was running back, bringing the ball out of defence. He was doing a Rico today. He was doing a Rico. What a game of football. It was incredible end-to-end, wasn't it? I thought Leeds were good. I thought Leeds played some great football. Never felt safe. When it was uh, 3-1 and we conceded 3-2, 
Thank God Brian scored that goal straight away. Thank God for VAR and for the penalty. But yeah, even at 4-2, I never felt safe. I thought Leeds were really good side, much better than I've seen them for, for years. I thought they really play some great football. They do some nice one-touch football. Good team, yeah. I think the 5-2 flattered us. But yeah, I'll take that all day long. What a result. Great result, yeah. Sometimes it just all gels together, doesn't it? And the finishing's on point and everything just comes together. We didn't get any assists today, which I don't know what that says either about us as the, or the offensive team or Leeds when it comes to, the, to, defend, to defending. But um, yeah, I mean, offensively, Leeds did play quite well today. It was quite scrappy in the middle, I felt. I think there should have been a few more yellow cards, but that is what it is. But um, defensively, they were just all over the place. I mean, there was a couple of times even the defender didn't know what to do with it. Yet Meslier's not commanding his area like he should do. So that's definitely something the Marsh should look at going forward. But um, how can he when he's getting sent off? I think Ivan Tony, obviously, I've spoken to a lot of people recently about him as he's an unconventional centre forward, mainly because he's not where you'd expect him to be as a centre forward. He's not just poaching. I mean, I love Haaland. I'm not having a go at him, but he's not poaching. He's not having eight touches an entire game and scoring three of them. He's all over the place, this heat map. He's in the box defending when there's corners. He's playing the ball. His distribution aerially is such a massive threat. We can play a ball up to the halfway line a bit further and you know he's going to get that out to him when or otherwise. And then he's also scoring the goals. I think he's an invaluable player to have. We were the, uh, the better side overall. However, all, all the domination of um, possession, I don't think we created enough, to be honest. But, how, uh, but also, uh, I think, you know, bar certain things didn't come our way. So, I, I don't, and I, also, I don't think it was a 5-2 game. I, I, I think there's a, an unconscious bias because everyone... Because you still hear it now. Dirty Leeds, Dirty Leeds. That was from the 70s. There's a lot of things, but yeah, ultimately, um, to run ourselves in that, in that sort of um, attitude and that gets us out, that's why we're fighting, we'll fight to the end. I thought we played well. Really good. Tony, three goals. Can't ask any more. Has to be in that next England squad. Equally, Rico Henry has to be in that England squad. Um, and just, I think probably the important was the, uh, the fourth one, wasn't it? Brian scoring after they made it 3-2 because they were always going to get a second and he kind of ran through finished it really well which is really good to see from him because he's probably been under a little bit of pressure probably I don't know why from himself we all back him and this run in score he did made it 4-2 killed the game and then we made it 5 and it was done That was steps five, six, seven, eight. A big classic. Oh, wrong show. Sorry, Laney. I keep getting it muddled up, mate. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good song, though. It is one, a good song. It's one, of, it's one of my favourites. It is, actually. Do you, yeah. I mean, maybe they should play that at the end of the game. Or maybe they should have played it at the end of the Leeds game instead of playing, you know, well, the usual fare that is cooked up, shouldn't they? Yeah, well, so, yeah, I don't, I, I'm up for a disco. As I said before, I, I, think, we, I think we have to leave the ground way too early um, when we have these wins I think they ought to open the bars and we ought to have a proper disco there's, there's an opportunity there definitely definitely okay so steps will be you leading the dance floor there I can see Laney with the song 5, 
six seven eight. Oh anyway, Christ, yes. Oh Christ Almighty, yes. But anyway, Laney, what was interesting in uh, in those little after the game, you came up with a theory that, to be quite honest with you, I hadn't thought of. But then when I looked back at it, I thought, tell you something, you are so spot on here, and it was so obvious. And I can't believe, to be quite honest with you, that you know we've played Leeds, we played Leeds, you know, end of last season, and we didn't get the result. They beat us then, you know, to to win the seventeenth place trophy, which they did really well with. And then before that, you know, we were beating them, and then in the ninety second minute, Bamford scored the equaliser, and they came back for the equaliser, and they they got a point out of that game as well. And um, we didn't get the results we wanted out of those two games. But to be quite honest with you, there's a really simple tactic that we could have used. Um, which we actually put into this game, which 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 really helped, didn't it? Yeah, is we we need to you know well, they were very susceptible to the square ball as as I as I said in my piece, and uh, you know we have to boil football down to basics sometimes. You know yeah. Leeds just can't yeah. cope with 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 that with that sort of uh, square ball that we we can play. No, no, I mean we 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 normally play with a round ball, and obviously Leeds have, have adapted to us playing with a round ball. But when we flipped it to the square ball. Um, <laughs> it's unbelievable how they fell apart. Leads, leads falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Leeds are falling apart again, which is uh, interesting. <laughs> By the way, let's move this on from this rather bizarre left field conversation, you know, which edges on it. Um, penalty, Laney. There's penalty and there's VAR. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you going to write a letter to your local MP because you're not happy with a decision that was made by the referee? Oh, jeez. I, I have to say, it, it's got to be it's got to be like hard work. It's got to be gruelling being a Leeds fan. You know, coming up with a different conspiracy theory every week as to why you've lost when you've just not been good enough to win. It's always someone else's fault. It's always the fault of something else apart from their players weren't good enough. They made the wrong decisions. You know, I, I listened to some of the, you know, some of the stuff after the game, some of the podcasts. It, it, it was just cringy. You know, talking. You know, men talking, having only watched the game on TV, saying how outrageous the decisions were that have been made by. Men watching the game on TV, but it, you mean it, 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 these men that never, go, men that never go to, to games, the game. yeah, they never well, go, but they never go to games, do they? No, no. no. But I mean, of the, the VI, the VAR, you know, it, it, they they were the right decisions. They they they, they, they both decisions were correct. Now the Leeds penalty that wasn't given, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd be upset that 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 wasn't given. You know, I I I've, I think that could on another day be a penalty. I'm not I'm not quite sure why it wasn't. But everything else that happened on the pitch, the I, I think was was fair. You know, some some people said the you know the, the Baptiste getting knocked down um, for the free kick that wasn't a free kick. Well, it, well, of course it was a free kick. You know, um, and the penalty. I know we we were appealing for handball. It did look like he had his hand up, but then he was fouled. So you know they were saying, "Oh, what, what were they claiming for?" Well, we're claiming for both. <laughs> you know, um, if if he if it looks to have been handball but wasn't, you know, you're allowed to appeal for that, and then um, you appeal for the foul. I mean, you know, Tony did look like he was you know really really hacked off. He looked like he had he had been fouled, and so it was proved to, to be the case you know again it's, it, they are marginal decisions you know of course but that's what VAR is there for 
um, and we add up what I thought was a perfectly good goal chalked off uh, at Fulham. You know, either you you have to have you have to have some sort of faith in this in this system. If we're all signed up to it, you just need consistency. You know, nothing nothing I saw on Saturday that that didn't seem to be consistent. Uh, you know, apart from that Leeds um, you know penalty that wasn't wasn't given. I think yeah. And interestingly, Laney, you. Like I said to you, are listening to like I said to the opposition, which is again, it's it's it's, it's all in the in the name of research. This, <clears throat> let's see what the other fans will say. We can report back to what the other fans will say. I'm interested to know did did the other fans actually talk about the tactical move that we did, especially the fact that Leeds were susceptible to the square ball? No, no, there was no real tact. There was no kind of um, uh, any kind of proper analysis. It was just like you know, rant, ranty. Um, <laughs> how unfair how unfair it is the world is the world is yeah the conspiracy you know um, it was just yeah you know they, they also accused Brentford fans of you know all the Brentford fans in the, in, in their were supporting their second team for the day they all support but apparently we all support Chelsea really or Man United really or something um, and you know um, we're a bunch of virgins which what that means I think we've just gone back to the, the playground when we were like six again you know so it was just it's just it's you know it's just beggars belief. As I said, it's got to be gruelling to to just not be gracious enough to accept defeat or 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 intelligent enough to realise that you've been out tactics. But, but again, and, and if you listen to this clip now, just quickly, the truth is that if you know that you are the champions of Europe, okay, but the world hasn't recognised it, you this you're carrying this burden with you for years. So I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, listen to this Leeds fan. We're going to have him now. He explains the reason why there's a lot of bitterness and angriness, and a lot of it stems around the fact that basically it was never recognised that they were the champions of Europe. Two things, you know, our, 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 our motto is march on together, and also we, we there's a big song called Champions of Europe. Because you are the Champions of Europe. But, but, no, we know, yeah, we know, we know we are. Exactly, because we were cheated out. We never won it. You know that. No, 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 as far as we're concerned, you're a Champions of Europe. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, 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 well, certainly we are. No, 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 you are. No, you're 100% Leeds are Champions oh, of Europe. Oh, right. Oh, that's, well, that's perfect. That's really nice here. But we, we have to keep reminding everyone. You are. And, and that's it. And I don't think that spurs on. So now, is it a lot clearer for you, Laney? No. <laughs> Why not? I mean, listen. He, he explained it's, it's it perfectly. Just, it's just more nonsense, isn't it? It's just more nonsense. Yeah, the whole world's against them. You know, we'd have to we have to accept it. We'll just laugh at it now. It's 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 as I said. It must be just grueling. You know. There you go. We move on. We move on. We just we, we we move on. But we just have to briefly mention. Unfortunately, we had a little chat with a beast fan as well from uh, from up north. They live up north as well. Uh, one one was a beast fan for years, and he was saying to me how unfortunately he witnessed and uh, was remonstrating against uh, some racist abuse against uh, Brian and Boomer. Okay, he was in the East End, and it was the least fans who were very, very rabid and just uh, stepping it up, and also some sexist abuse against the women in the stand, and also his other half as well, uh, Michelle. 
um, which his name is. And if they listen to the podcast, actually, just get in touch with us. Actually, please just message us, you know, email us, and everything like that, because we were chatting to you. We had a good chat. We saw you in the pub afterwards, but we didn't actually touch base after that. So just please get in contact with us as well, because we want to chat to you a little bit more about that incident. But that's again a bit of a shame. Uh, I speak to my Leeds friends, and they just said no, it never happened, even though they weren't at the game. And I don't believe that's going to be ever going to be true. So basically, they're taking the word from themselves and from what they may have read on forums, as opposed to somebody who was actually at the game itself. Um, a little bit disappointing, that wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible to hear that. You know, um, if you're misfortunate and misfortunate enough to be sat next to um, you know the away fans who are in that kind of mood, then yeah, you know, you're in for kind of like a random afternoon where you know you're just going to get utter crap chucked at you just for just for sitting in you know in the same vicinity so yeah from from what those two incidents you know racist abuse sexist abuse it's just you know it, it beggars belief there were two arrests apparently i think they were for unrelated incidents to that but the uh, i think there was you know what they they were um they weren't uh, you know there were other incidents that were similar to that it was actually a racist incident on a steward that two people got arrested for, actually. So that's what they're arrested for. However, it's been progressed. I cannot actually say, but the fact is that um, this was the what the initial rest was for. But anyway, like I said to you, <clears throat> for people that say it doesn't exist and it's not there, it does exist. OK, so, you know, we need to be vigilant and we need to basically, as fans, just sort of clubbing together and uh, and, and and do what we need to do to stand out. Because I'm not I'm not interested and I don't want my daughter to be listening and hearing and doing all that stuff. She listened to the interview with the guy because she walked with us back through the park and all that lot. And she just talked to me afterwards and she said, I heard that. That was just a bit rubbish, wasn't it? She's 13 years old. Like, you know, so listen, I'm not having it. Listen, if, if you if you can turn your eye to it and you will just ignore ignore it, that's up to you. But I'm not the type of person that does that. But like I said, we move on to back to the match as well, because there was three very good goals, as you say. And Besotted Global, we do our man of the match every week. We hand it off to our Besotted Global crew who vote for their man of the match and also besotted crew and just various people who we just give it to and just say vote for the man of the match and they vote for the man of the match and the Genford who is actually over in Tasmania he tots it all up while we're all asleep and then when we wake up he goes bing here are your results so thanks for that the Genford Um, he's done a great job for us so far and he's going to be totting up and giving us the end of season player of the season besotted player of the season which is all good and uh, the order was Ivan Tony got man of the match then uh, Ben Mee got the second place and Hickey was the third place and uh, Ivan Tony, like I said to you he got it was unanimous you know it was nearly 90% of the votes was for Ivan Tony, and it's the most convincing win since Jensen's 87% at Man United as well and um, interestingly like only Tony and me received best player votes because so it's between Tony and me and normally you get sort of like four five six seven people nominate the best player because you can vote for the best, the second best and the third best. And uh, so, yeah, they were just dominating the voting this week. So people were very impressed with me. And if it was any other game, Ben Mee would have actually got the voting. So now Ivan Tony, listen, there's a lot of... Interestingly now, people are actually talking about him in a different light. But before they were going, he was a pound shop, whoever he may be. And this just dissing us because he played for Brentford. But now actually people are like going now, oh yeah, Ivan Tony, he's too good for Brentford. He should be, you know, it's that conversation. People, it's almost like people cannot put 
good things and Brentford together. If anything is good in Brentford, it has to be removed from the environment and put <laughs> elsewhere. Like it's true. You know what I'm saying, yeah, like Chelsea. You know, like yeah, Chelsea. Like you know, look look what they did to Lukaku. As my Chelsea mate goes, he goes, oh, don't bring him over here. Anything that comes to Chelsea turns to shit. Is what he said. You know what I'm saying? So actually, you know, good things and Brentford can actually stay together. Like you know, so um, Ivan Tony though, it, it, this could be. I mean, I know Gareth Southgate came to see. Brentford a few weeks ago and he probably didn't have his best game and Brentford didn't have their best game I think it was the Everton game that, yeah, that was a, but this could be a bit of a turning point for my man couldn't it yeah he, he, he was on a different level as I said a little bit earlier He's he he, he was you know eight on top of his game everything he touched was, was excellent he, he just showed the, the class player that he, he has become um, and I, I don't see that changing you know you put him in that Man City team, he scores you 20-odd goals. Ivan Tony's got to do a lot more um, in a Brentford shirt than other strikers um, elsewhere. Well, he, he hasn't got to. He does a lot more. Um, there's, there's so many facets to his match, um, You know, whether it's his link-up play, whether it's his aerial strength, uh, whether it's his assists um, his, and his clinical in, in front of goal. Um, you know, Obviously, his dead ball situations from the spot you know a legendary now um and the free kicks hopefully we'll we'll, we'll see a few more of those because that was it was just delicious so I, I think it's inevitable i think i think he i think he he has he has to be given a, a call up you know some of the some of the dirge that i've watched in an england shirt you know i, I know you you know i i think i think there's been a lot of players that haven't haven't warranted their call up uh, over the last 10 years um you know there's a lot that have but Ivan Tony, I think he, he he absolutely deserves that recognition, and I think um, from from Gareth Southgate or whoever's the next England manager, or from the from the FA's perspective, you want him signed to play for England, and you only get that when you give him a cap. You know, he, he if he doesn't get a cap, I'm, I'm sure there's other nations that will take him, um, and he can play World Cup football. I'm, I'm sure actually. You know, he could actually be playing in the World Cup, if not this one. You know, certainly the next one, um, with with a different country. You know, and I think he's he's too good. He's too good to let that sort of you know drift through our fingers, Bill. Yeah, and I can tell you for a fact, the reggae boy, the reggae boys, they will qualify for the next World Cup because America, Canada, and Mexico do not have to qualify because they've got the next World Cup so Jamaica if you don't qualify next time I'm going to be very disappointed and as you know I do all the World Cups it'll be my 17th or maybe the 18th I can't remember major tournament and so I'm very much looking forward to that because I will obviously be fiddling England because they will be there and I will be gutted if Jamaica wasn't there I was there the last time I did a massive coach for me and my mates to um, to Longs to go and see Jamaica play their very first game in 1998 against Croatia and that was the biggest laugh rum reggae on the coach I had my DJ my DJ box and I bought I hired out a club in Longs and we had a massive party afterwards it was wicked so if the reggae boys don't make it I'll be gutted so Ivan Tony. <clears throat> 100% they're looking out for him to play for the rigger boys but obviously he's looking out for the England call-up I think that the England eyes are switched to him now because they've also looked at Brentford and thought actually they're all playing good football it's none of this kind of like you know small team nonsense coming up and you know treading water they're actually playing really good football so I think that I think this I think that there's there's been a moment in the last three about three or four weeks 
where I think people in the England camp are thinking, tell you something, we've got to take this Brentford lot really seriously because they're doing some good things. So, you know, talking about that game, I mean, who scored? We look at who scored a lot as well, which is one of the places that we look at what's going on there. And Ivan Tony got a perfect 10. And uh, I said, very rare for me to see a perfect 10. I think um, Ben Rama got one a few seasons ago. And I think possibly Ollie Watkins got one. Or did Ivan Tony get one a few years ago? It might have been Ollie Watkins as well. Got a perfect 10 a few seasons ago. But it's very rare for him to get a perfect 10. Brian and Bumo got an 8, which is very good as well. In who scored? Ben Mee, 7.5. Yanelt, 7.4. And then Siniestera got 7.4 as well for Leeds as well. So um, um, talking about that game. Brentford created a high number of chances relative to their possession and were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill and are strong at finishing. But we lost possession often, as we know, is the Kevin Keegan thing. And it's like, oh, no, they've just scored another goal. You know, but it didn't happen as often as it could have done if it was in Manchester City or something like that. Leeds... <clears throat> Affected at creating goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill, but they gave away a lot of free kicks around the box and, and, and committed a high number of individual errors. You know, we attacked through the middle, had a high shot frequency and possession, and we like long balls as well. And uh, Leeds sat in our half quite a lot. I mean, I think I, I can have to look at the possession. They got, um, I think they got about 60-odd percent possession, I think it was. They had a lot of possession, but it's what you do with it as well. They favoured long shots, attacked through the middle, and like I said to you, they dominated possession. So... So, um, you know, great game. Like I said to you, you know, really, really, really good game. And for me, like I said, the thing is, and I spoke to my lead mates and, you know, they came back to us and they said that you guys, fair play to you. You were really good. And I went back to them. I said, actually, I said, you know, and they, they just moaned about whatever they moaned about. And I said, actually, I thought Leeds were quite good. You know, and defensively, you just you really fluffed it. I mean, you know, you can't just give the ball away to us and say, oh, no, just give the ball away. And that's what they did. Give the ball away, bang, ball in the back of the net before you you got your back against the wall. But I thought that reads were really good. And on, on another day, they might have caused us a few problems. And if defensively they sort it out, they might be a different scenario. But like I said to you, they're right behind us on the XG charts, which means that they create a number of high, um, um, you know, very good opportunities in front of goal. So they're always going to be a danger. And again, it's down to them being like teams like us, being able to afford somebody that puts a ball in the back of the net. But anyway, um, listen, JB, he's got some facts and some funk. He's going to be talking about, well, I think he's going to be talking about five goals in his facts and funk. We're going to listen to JB to hear what he says about his facts and his funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello. Jonathan Birchall here again. Saturday saw us score five pass leads for the first time ever. Our previous best was 4-1 in 1937. It was the first time we scored five league goals in front of a home crowd since the 5-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday at Griffin Park in 2020. We hadn't scored five in the top tier for 84 years. It was also the first ever hat-trick against Leeds in 43 attempts. Ivan's second at the community stadium, but the first in front of fans. He now has two in the top tier. In all our top tier seasons, we have now scored 11, with only Dave McCulloch scoring more, with 6. Ivan's penalty was his 50th League and Cup goal for the club in his 96th game. There's only 22 other players who have reached that landmark. He has scored them quicker than the likes of Donaldson, Owusu, Blissett Holdsworth, Steve Phillips and Jim Towers. He became the fifth fastest, only behind George Francis, Billy Lane, Dave McCulloch and Jack Holliday 
He scored his 50 in just 49 games. And of course, being a Brentford Leeds fixture, there was another goal in stoppage time, with Wissa rounding off that five-star performance. In our original second season in the top tier in 1936, we beat Manchester United 4-0. That season saw Billy Scott become our first player to play for England. So there you go, JB with his facts and his funk. And, you know, a bit, a bit of a coincidence there, don't you think, Laney? The last time, was that the last time we beat Man United 4-0? In the top tier, which was uh, 1936, I believe it, as well. And uh, that same year, Billy Scott, Brentford player, played for England. He only got one cap, mind you, but that's not the point. He he played for England in the year that we beat Man United 4-0. Laney, will history repeat itself? I hope it does, yes. (laughs) Very simple answer, yeah. Listen, we're going to go away, have a little drink. We're going to come back and we are going to talk about the Southampton game. So Saturday coming, we're going down to Southampton. Last time we went to Southampton, it was a night game, and it didn't go too well. I remember being there behind the goal and Brentford was just appalling. And Southampton gave us a right good tonking. However, it's, let's call it 12 months on. It's a year on from that now, and we've learned a lot since those days. And um, all I'm going to say is that we're going to go down to Southampton feeling a little bit more confident. I mean, Southampton... Haven't had the best start to the season, but they haven't had the worst start to the season. They've, they've done all right. But um, tell you something, before we have a little chat about this, Dave, let's go over to Southampton. Let's talk to Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast. He's going to tell us everything we need to know about Southampton. Hi, this is Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast. Uh, great to join uh, you Brentford fans for your for your uh, podcast today. Ahead of this weekend's uh, big match. Um, well, we might as well get right into it. So, last season for Saints, were we happy with it? Um, no, in short. We had two-thirds of a good season. Uh, probably, you know, you guys you guys caught the last good bit of us when we absolutely smashed you 4-1 at St Mary's. Uh, you know, uh, after that, to be honest, it was downhill. I think after that, we, we beat West Ham in the Cup 3-2 with our kind of swashbuckling, buccaneering, uh, aggressive pressing style. Um, and then we absolutely fell to pieces following that game. We won one game from January onwards. Um, obviously crashed out of the cups and in the end came very close to relegation uh, so you know I think if you look at it in that sense and then losing Breuer uh, admittedly he was only on loan but you know it was kind of our shining light last season up front it was a pretty poor season I would say a 6 out of 10 I think you know staying up is always a good thing but it's kind of the manner in which you stay up and it was pretty poor uh, but the two Brentford games last year were interesting for us Saints fans, because as I say, uh, the the first, the first of which uh, we we were just you know kind of unstoppable really. I think I think it was in memory one of the best games to be a Saints fans because we it was one of the few games in which both our forwards scored and we did kind of dominate it from start to finish. Um, you know, it was our first game in front of our new owner and it felt like we had really kind of galvanised. Uh, the, the the team and it kind of brought everyone together and also you know we know that Brentford are a really good team really really good team um, and who are just coming off a win themselves 
and and I think you know for us it felt like a almost one probably one of the highlights of a, of a difficult season. Then, if you want to look at lowlights, uh, certainly the three 0 turnaround at your place, and I think part of the issue with that is not so much the loss um it was almost the manner in which we lost um we we kind of gave up which is very difficult as a, as a fan to watch and as a you know we professional footballers are earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week you know the, the players kind of gave up and i think this was part of our you know the game was very much just a great example of our last third of the season slump where we lost all of our morale all of our passions seemingly forgot how to score goals um certainly any goals from open play and you know we're just torn apart by a much more organized much more passionate much more dedicated group of professionals um because i i think you know I, th- I think in terms of individual quality i don't think there's that much difference between the two but i think as you've shown this season if you turn it on uh, you are, uh, you know, almost unstoppable. Um, and I, I, yeah, so I think, you know, let's, let's call it a score draw over the two games, but I think certainly Brentford will come away from the season feeling a lot better. Uh, but as this season starts, it's not started too badly, to be frank. We've had, you know, we, we continued our last season form into the first game where we got a spanking 4-1 away at Tottenham. Although in retrospect, I think a lot of teams are going to come away a lot worse than that. But again, the manner in which we played, we took the lead uh, only to equalise and then concede goals in quick succession was very much like us last year. We were playing a new 5-3-2 formation. It didn't work. The whole idea behind playing more defenders was to sort of tighten up. Definitely didn't do that. Um, So we've now moved to kind of our tried and tested 4-2 I guess it's kind of a four-two-four type formation, and uh, um, and and I think it, it works a lot better for us. We've we've certainly had good results, you know, a win away at Leicester, a win at home to Chelsea, saying goodbye to Tommy Tuchel, which I'm sure you're happy with. Um, you know, good results, a draw at Leeds, draw against Leeds. Uh, you know, we've had some defeats, home to Man United, um, away at Wolves last week. I think it was particularly disappointing. Uh, Wolves don't look a stellar team and I think we were disappointed not to at least take a point. But overall, um, the season has started really well and I think a large part of that is is who we've brought in. Uh, Ralph has, you know, the club had a decision in the summer. It had stick with Ralph or get rid of Ralph and it kind of did a mix of the two where it kept Ralph but got rid of all his backroom staff. So now he, he didn't really have a proper assistant manager for quite some time. We've now got that. We've now got a proper coaching team. And alongside that, Ralph has been given money. We have spent, I think, a net spend of something like £75 million, which for Southampton is unbelievable. We've not lost any regular first-team starter, apart from Fraser Forster, who went on a free transfer. So we've kept the players we want to keep, and we've bought in real talent. And sadly, I think probably the, the one that looks the most exciting of all those talents won't be playing this weekend, Romeo Lavio, who's got a fantastic goal against Chelsea. £18 million from Man City. Uh, apparently Chelsea bid £50 million for him on the start of the for, on, on the end of the transfer window. He is going to be, mark my words, a mega, mega talent. The other one thing we've done is tying up at the back. And, and the player you'll, I, I think you'll see the best battle on the pitch on Saturday is Armand Bella catch-up 
uh, who's a 20-year-old German centre-back, incredibly athletic and strong, reads the game really well. And I think he's going to have a hell of a tussle against Ivan Tony. I think they're very evenly matched. Bella Kachop has made less than, I think, 30 senior appearances in top-flight football, but he looks like a Rolls-Royce of a defender um, and has given us a whole new level of strength and solidity at the back. And then as we look forward in the team, um, you know, the, the, we've got a, well, as we actually go back, we've got a brand new goalkeeper from Man City, again, only 20. Uh, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why we have probably the youngest starting 11, I think, in the Premier League. Um, and then we've added, I think, some exciting quality up front. Uh, Saki Mara from Bordeaux, yet to score, but looks a real talented player. And again, only 20 years old. Um, and then I think one player who may start this weekend uh, and who may uh, uh, surprise people is a winger called Samuel Eladozi, um, um, who came from Manchester City and came off the last 20 minutes against Wolves and completed more take-ons and more exciting manoeuvres in that 20 minutes than anyone else on the pitch. So, I, you know, we bought really well. And to be honest, we've got rid of a lot of dead wood. We've got rid of a lot of scar tissue from the two 9-0s. You know, if you look at the 9-0 game now, I think only... Uh, certainly the Leicester game, only James Ward-Prowse and Stuart Armstrong are, are left from that whole team. So this is a whole new Southampton team, really, and I think it's really exciting. Uh, we've gone for broke with youth. Um, I think we'd love another striker, more experienced striker, but we weren't able to get one. So it's all about youth, and it's either going to go really well or not so well. Um, and yeah, and I think all of that, you know, that youth, I think in terms of, you know, the squad itself, it's it's a strong squad. It's definitely stronger than last year, the strength and depth. Um, you know, one thing I should have mentioned I didn't is we have lost Oriel Romeo, who is a big loss, I think, in centre midfield, but it realistically wasn't going to get games now that Romeo Lavia is there. But overall, the squad uh, is a lot stronger. And I think part of that is, is definitely kind of the Rasmus Anderson effect. You can see... The types of players we're signing are good value, huge up, potentially huge upside players, which I hope, you know, I don't want to mischaracterise any of the Brentford players, but I think that's what I always think when I see Brentford sign players, you know, they're not often players that are household names, but they, they've got huge talent that, that, you know, someone like Rasmus Sankson and his team and their culture he builds around him is able to spot. And I think part of as well, Rasmus Sankson has brought in a stability to the manager, Ralph, um, you know, Ralph has his doubters. I've been amongst them for sure. But fundamentally, I don't think we were ever going to get a better manager uh, right now. I think he's fiercely passionate. He's brought an identity to the club. He does appear to be learning from his mistakes. He's making substitutes earlier. He's being more decisive. He's changing his shape more regularly, uh, like we see the more, you know, the more modern good managers do now. And I think the new backroom staff has really, um, has really, uh, has really made an impact. Now, in terms of who for Saturday, I think Bella Kochap is uh, definitely uh, a player that, that, you know, you should be looking out for. Just in terms of sheer um, quality, he, you know, he does appear to be, in the absence of Romeo Lavia, the most, I would say, that the player we've got that looks like he could do uh, the most exciting things. Other players I would ask you to look out for, Joe Rebo, super talented uh, London uh, from London uh, came to us from Rangers really talented and then I think the other again I'll mention him again is Samuel Dozy uh, just lightning quick winger um, and I think really has an exciting future um, 
and then I think where you know where we'll be this season. It's a tough one to call. I think most Saints fans would take anything apart from relegation. I actually think with this squad, I think eleventh uh, or twelfth wouldn't be unrealistic if we can get one of our goal scorers to have a bit of a purple patch. Uh, however, you know none of our goal scorers are real Premier League lead the line strikers. So I think realistically, Saints will be looking at a kind of fourteenth place finish, fifteenth maybe. We will take that, um, and. And overall with Brentford, I, th- I said this last season, you know, we have a huge amount of respect for Brentford. I think um, you know, Brentford's culture and the way they do things uh, and the way they approach football and the dignity in which they handle themselves and the, and the composure and dignity in which Thomas Frank composes himself, I think is a credit to the club. And you know, you've got some real talent there. I mean, yeah, we're obviously delighted that um, that Ericsson isn't playing, but that doesn't really mean anything now. You know, you've got players all across the pitch that can hurt us. Uh, obviously, Ivan Tony, but Embuemo looks good whenever I've seen him. And I think as well that, you know, you had a player that we were heavily linked with um, in, in Keen Lewis Potter, who is uh, supposedly a real talent. But outside of that, I think one of the best signings you've made has been me. You know, you can't put a price on an experienced Premier League centre-back and Ben Mee gives you that and I kind of wish that we'd gone in for that. Um, you know, obviously I think the interesting thing is perhaps we can't compete with you on wages, which is a fascinating concept. But but yeah, I think, I think it'll be a really good game. I do, I think, because Saints will be really gunning for a win. They'll think they can win. Brentford will definitely think they can win. So I'm looking forward to it. And in terms of score prediction... Uh, I'm going to go for 2-1 Saints uh, with, um, I'll say, Shea Adams getting the first goal for Saints. Tony will definitely score, but then I think we'll see a lovely James Ward-Prowse free kick for the winner. So it's been great. Thank you for your time. I wish you the worst possible luck on Saturday. I hope you lose heavily and uh, we'll see you later on in the season. All the best. So there you go, Tom from the Saints FC podcast. And he, he's, he's really not happy, actually. He's not happy at all. I mean, he's, he talked about last season and he said how basically um, they smashed us and then they just they did a Leeds and they, they're falling apart again, as he said. So um, so he's, he's, you know, listen, we, we, they've got a good manager. They've got some good players. So we have to be on the watch out. But Southampton... Are you thinking, Laney, this is a very good time to play Southampton or are you still on tenderhooks? It's another, it's another one of those games where pretty much anything could happen. You know, they, they last time out they beat Chelsea um, you know, in their last home match and they they look potent. You know, they're, they're, they're a decent team on their day. You know, I think they're inconsistent uh, like a lot of teams. Um, they're kind of neither top half and they're neither relegation Um Candidates, you know, they're going to be in between. They're very similar, you know, to, to us in in many ways, I think. But um, you know, we, we we saw the two sides of that last year. They did. They blew us away down at St Mary's. Um, I know that Yanelt scored a, a great goal to get us back. You know, bring us back to one all. But then, you know, we thought that could have been a turning point, and it wasn't. They just, you know, they they just kind of just blitzed us, and then back at our place, we we beat them three nil. So, and it was a fairly fairly comfortable win. Again, as a game, you know, there could have been could have been more goals to us there. So, it, when when we're in form. I think we've got the beating in them and when they're in form they've got the beating in us it just depends what Southampton we play um, I hope hopefully it's it's you know it's it's one that's kind of a bit spluttery because it's you know it's it's a it's a 
it's a place that we have to go and I think you know that that will be one of the benchmarks for the season play things oppositions and and games where we've let ourselves down markers where we can show that we've done better than the previous year and I think going to St Mary's and getting something out of it is is one of those one of those markers I think you know I'm I'm hoping we go and get at least a point yeah, I mean, and, and Tom was obviously telling us the players that we need to look out for. We talked about the Cotchap as well, playing in defence as well. Obviously, we know about Ward Prowse, who's a very, very dangerous player. And the interesting one as well is also Arebo, who, uh, you know, if you remember the very first Netflix series, the Sunderland series as well, he featured in that Arebo before he went off to, I can't remember where he went off to, somewhere like that. But he eventually ended up at Rangers as well. And there was a little bit of hype about him as well. I think he, he was kind of linked with Brentford at the time, um, signing to Brentford. But then he ended up going to Rangers. And I think there's a little bit like, what are you going to Rangers for? Like, you know, so it's interesting. He went to from, you know, to two Rangers and then he's come back to the Premier League. Um, to Southampton from Rangers so but like I said there's a bit of hype around him and also there's obviously Adam Armstrong who is in the shootout race versus uh, Ivan Tony in the championship as well where it's kind of like who's the best striker is it Tony is it Armstrong Tony is it Armstrong and it's interesting because both of them are in the same arena now but I would say and I'm, okay I'm a bit biased with a uh, red and white tinted glasses like you know what I'm saying but I'd say that Ivan Tony is streets ahead of Armstrong now when you're talking about the two players in the same arena Apart, apart from the fact that they play in red and white as well. Yes, that's right. You know, <laughs> they do. Um, interestingly, as well. I mean, he's talking about the signings, and he's talking about the signings which we've got compared to what they've got. But you know, I mean, it's interesting. We haven't sort of we haven't mentioned Rasmus Ankerson much since he's left. Rasmus, Rasmus is a friend of the podcast. Really good bloke. Really nice guy. I might send him a little message just before Saturday just to say we're coming down, everything like that. But he's uh, obviously gone down there now. The question I always asked is how much is Rasmus going to be involved in the transfer business of Southampton? I'm thinking to myself that if you've got a certain amount of knowledge, okay, um, and you own a club or you're part own a club, you're part of the, the, the company that owns a club, then surely you're going to want them to get the best players and get everything that's right. So you're going to impart that information onto them. The information I got from him when I spoke to him just after he left is that he's not going to be getting involved in any of that. He's involved in a different side of Southampton. So I'm wondering that if he's not involved in the transfer business, I wonder if he's happy with what is going on, how they're bringing the players in. I mean, maybe this might be a question for us later down the line, if he's happy with that um, and or else whether or not he's decided to get involved in the transfer business or whether or not and this is the third I'm throwing all sorts of questions he's getting involved with the transfer business but he realised because he hasn't got the Brentford machine around him which obviously um, gives him all sorts of information the job isn't as easy as it has been when it was at Brentford because don't forget like I said it's not all about one person for us it's about having a team of people and that team of people together make things work and you start pulling them out and putting them into other places if that other place haven't got the same eco structure or eco environment as what we've got it isn't quite the same so just an interesting thought there about Rasmus and Southampton Laney yeah yeah well you know you need to ask him you know I've got the answers to those questions but I know of um, course no but, but I mean you know but you know he, he is a he's a he's a football intellect you know I, I was fortunate enough to 
spend you know two hours on the on a zoom call with him a um, couple months back um, for the Brentford Revolution book that's about to go to print um, if you want to copy and you haven't pre-ordered to get your name in the book you need to do that soon um, but going back to Rasmus uh, yeah he, he's, 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 a, he's a very intelligent guy who's spent you know the last six or seven years being at the coalface in, in, in unearthing um, you know great players from all the way around the world for, for Brentford's benefit um, it will be very difficult for him I would have thought to just switch that off um, or not not to kind of want to, to kind of give his advice or give his give his kind of knowledge but you know whether whether the structure down there is different and it would be you know not not seem to be the right thing to do I don't know it's, it's a very different setup to Brentford but you know yeah he's, he's got a wealth of experience um, and you know I'm sure that he, I'm sure he feeds in somewhere um, in the process that's right so listen quickly Southampton their strengths coming back from losing positions creating chances through balls using three balls and also stealing the ball from the opposition they're good at that they're very good at coming back from losing positions where they're weak is keeping possession of the ball in the air and also defending against attacks down the wings now for me i'm going bing 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 that seems to be our area where we can actually hit them in it laney yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Thomas and the the stats guys, and you know, the you know the the analysts will be going through the weaknesses of, of Southampton, like they do all our opponents. But you know, I, I think that Southampton will be um, expected by their fans to come to come at us. They'll be looking at this as you know as a game that they'll be wanting to win, so they'll be attacking, um, and it, it suits us for them to be on the front foot, doesn't it? You know that's that's a big part of our game is to to let the opposition have possession um, and us to hit on the counter, and we're devastating at that at the moment. So you know. We just didn't. We just weren't very good at defending down down at their place last year. We have to we have to defend a lot better, um, and we have to soak it up, uh, and we have to hit them hard. And you know that that's clearly the way to to come away with a victory is to you know just be in control of of your, of your game plan. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful, mate. That's right. So just to let you know, Southampton attack down the right. They attempt crosses often. They control the game in the opposition's half. They like their long balls. They take a lot of shots and their opponents normally play aggressively against them and they rotate their first 11. So interesting game against Southampton. I mean, I'm going to go there a little bit later because it's the start of the grassroots football season. So the team that I've just started, the Barnet Panthers, have got their first game on Saturday. So I'm going to be leaving immediately from the final little <laughs> from North London and shooting all the way down to Southampton. But I know you're getting down there a little bit early, Lane, aren't you? Yeah, gonna, I'm going down on the train and um, be a little bit, a bit of a, not a pub crawl, but we'll, um, we'll have a, a few, few nice cold drinks before the game, let's put it that way. There's a few breweries dotted around the place and a few places in Bedford Place and also down by the, the seaport and down by the, the ferry port and all over the place. There's all sorts of interesting places to have a drink, so go and check them out. So, Lady, I'm just going to ask you one final thing. Give us a score prediction for Saturday. I am going to go for a 3-1 Brentford win. Poor. Okay, that's interesting. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Brentford win. Uh, None of us got the score right last week, which is hardly surprising, is it, Laney? No, I don't think any of us were that super confident. But yeah, we, you know, we were three goals in it. I think you said 3-0, did you? I don't know. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'm happy to be. I don't care if I'm right or wrong as long as we win. 
That's exactly. That's <laughs> it. It just, it just goes to show you where, where we're at. You know, like I say, one day we, somebody might go 7-5 and get it on the spot on. And if they do, you've got to definitely buy that person a beer because that'll be properly like, wow, how do they do that? But anyway, so, but anyway, listen, hold on a second. What's that, what's that music in the back? Oh, what's that music, lady? We, I can't, I can't oh make God, it I, out. I can't, can't believe you are standing on your chair with your hands out. Okay, sing along. Do, 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 do. How's it going? Is it, do, 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 do. is it Hawaii 5 <laughs> Laney, he's so cheap. Look at him. He's got the towel on his head, like he's got the flowery shirt on. There you go. I mean, t- what's that song? I, I, I don't remember. I remember it from back in the day. What's it again? Hawaii 5 2. Hawaii oh, 5 2, indeed. There you go, Laney. So, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcast channels. Write us a review on iTunes as well, please. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to go to Besotted Global, besotted.com forward slash global, and join our little social media community. It's growing and we're chatting away and we're having some laughs and telling people where pubs are and all that kind of stuff. Also, don't forget to buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. Thank you to everyone that's bought us a beer. Uh, other than that, like I said, we'll see you in Southampton on the seaside on the waterfront or wherever you're going to see you um my name is billy grant and i've got laney in the house good afternoon good afternoon to you too and like i said you're looking forward to the game on saturday we're saving and we're saving and we're saving and we're saving and we're saving as we say come on you bees you bees let's beat those saints when they go marching in The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.